Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, church, and thank you, Greg and Cindy. Aren't they so cute, guys? I knew they would happen. Just another prophecy fulfilled in the books. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, but welcome to our service today. Uh, I'm so glad you could join us, and thank you for allowing me the privilege to share with you guys. And the first part of the message that I shared about a month ago, entitled Dirty But Beautiful, I talked about the story of the sinful woman and the Pharisee. And how, like the Pharisee, oftentimes we can fail to see the beauty in others because of their dirt, because of their mess, because of their failures. But how Jesus still sees beauty despite our dirt and our mess like he did with the sinful woman because of the special heart that she had in loving Jesus. But today, I kind of want to shift the focus and make it a little more personal and talk about seeing our beauty despite our dirt, and serving others in the midst of theirs. Turn with me to John chapter 13, and I'll give you a moment to get there. We're going to be looking at uh, John chapter 13, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 16. And uh, when you're there, feel free to give me an amen in the chat uh, below, or you can just say, uh, we're here, I'm here, and uh, we can get right into this. So John chapter 13, verses 1 through 16, and uh, it reads as follows. So it says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. 
Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Wow, what a powerful story. Um, I want to start off part two of this message with another question. If Jesus were living here on earth today and you spent the last three years of your life with him doing everything, living, eating, breathing, talking, how would he describe your life? Even more personal, your character, your behavior, your spiritual life. Take a second and just insert your name and fill in the blank for one moment. For example, Joel, the such and such disciple. My girlfriend Lolly knows me the best. I'm sure there's plenty of dirt you could fill in there. But it's not about me, it's about you. No, just kidding. But you know, this was the reality of the disciples' lives who walked and lived with Jesus. There were only 12 but each of them had enough sin to go around for everybody and make a bad reputation for themselves. And maybe you can relate. I know I can. But these weren't just any ordinary men to a degree. Basically, they were a mixed group of unruly, stubborn, impulsive, rash, violent, uneducated men that Jesus chose to devote three years of his life to sleep, eat, teach, train, and live with. In fact, did you know that even at one point, two of his disciples, James and John, in Luke 9.54, you can go back and read it, wanted to burn and kill a whole Samaritan village for rejecting Jesus. I mean, they practically wanted to commit communal genocide. They were wild. So, if you've never done worse, this should make you feel a little bit better about yourself right now. No, I'm just kidding. But right, these are not the kind of men that you or I would have chosen to change the world with us if we were Jesus, right? They sound really crazy. So why would Jesus choose these 12 and be willing to put up with all their failures, all their disappointments, and then on top of all that, clean up after their mess? Nevertheless, ours. And I think it's because... Jesus saw a beauty in them, which leads me to my first point. See the beauty. See the beauty. You know, I think it's because Jesus saw a beauty in them, and this was that beauty. God's love for them. And even more personal, God's love for us. Take a look at what it says here in verse 1 of John chapter 13. I love it. He says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Notice how the Bible says he loved them to the end, not at their end. Anyone grateful that Jesus doesn't just love us at the end, right? When we're at the end of our patience, when we're at the end of our love, when we're at the end of our forgiveness, and we finally come to our senses and we're ready to fix our relationship with God and with other people. But no, instead, 
He loves you at your worst and at your best. He loves you in your highs and in your lows, at the beginning, in the middle, and in the end, to the end. Why? Again, because he sees a beauty in you worth dying for that's external to all the mistakes we've ever made. It's a love that could truly only come from someone divine, not human. And people spend their time searching for it all throughout their lives. And they've yet come to finding someone who can love them in the very same exact way until they find God. And this is the kind of love we see God show his people all throughout the Bible. And here we are with his disciples about to have the worst week of their lives. I mean, Judas is about to betray Jesus and sell him away to be arrested. Peter's going to deny Jesus that he even knows him, not once, not twice, but three times. And all the disciples are going to desert and flee from him after his arrest. And Jesus is just here chilling, having a casual dinner with them, completely unfazed and unmoved. Look at what verse 2 through 3 says. It's amazing. In verse 2, he says, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. You know, even after finding out that Judas was going to betray him in one of the most despicable and disappointing ways ever, Jesus was unmoved. And I find this to be so encouraging to know that Jesus isn't in jeopardy or fear when he sees our dirt, when he sees our imperfections, our failures, when he sees our sinful nature and our sinful hearts at work. Jesus knew all of the disciples' failures, that they were going to come, that they were going to happen. And the same goes with us. He knows ours. But thank God he is not like one of us. You know, Jesus was secure in who he was and in the power he had over everything. It says here that he knew the Father put everything under his power, that he came from God, and that he was going back to God. And so Jesus was fully secure, unlike us, in who he was and who he would be. And so Jesus knew this, and he had power over everything, including our mess-ups. His love for us does not waver. Even when ours does, I was reading earlier this week in 2 Timothy, and it was so powerful. In, in chapter 2, verse 13, it says that it describes uh, about God that even when we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Jesus' very nature is faithful, and even when we become faithless, he does not change, and he remains faithful time and time again. And I just love that. But honestly, that has been so hard to accept, even for me this week alone. But this is the beauty that we need to see in all of us. That through it all, we are loved to the end, not just at our end. Which brings me to my second point. Wash the dirty. Wash the dirty. You know, verses four through five, we see Jesus moved by his love for his disciples. And he gets up from, uh, from their meal and begins to do something incredibly shocking to them. They could not believe it. He begins to take off his clothes, 
puts a towel over him and washes all of their feet. And of all places Jesus could have chosen, he chooses to wash their feet, which is just bizarre for me. You know, the part of their bodies that were constantly in contact with the ground and probably the most visibly dirty part of their bodies, as it was a custom back then to recline at a very low table uh, while eating with your feet exposed right before everyone. But you know, what's more important to understand is that this was a very humiliating duty to perform back then. It was a servant's job to wash the feet of all the guests. And here Jesus was doing that. And you know, Peter begins to realize this and he becomes indignant and he refuses to let Jesus serve him in this way. In verse eight, it says here, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And you know, sometimes shame and guilt or even pride can make us feel the same way. Like we feel just too unworthy to be washed clean of our own dirt and our own failures by such a holy God. And I know for me, this week has definitely been one of those weeks. And then we're reminded of Jesus's response to Peter. Look what he says here, further in that verse. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And it is then that we realize how much we are in need of being washed by Jesus. But what about others? Maybe it's not yourself you have trouble allowing Jesus to wash over with love and mercy when you blow it, right? We all love Jesus's grace when we're really struggling and we're deep in sin. But what about others? Can we wash others with the same love and mercy that was given to us? Are we willing to wash others even when their feet are lying filthy and dirty before us? like the disciples at this Passover meal. You know, in the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, Robert Coleman describes the challenge Jesus' disciples faced when called to radically love others now as his new followers. And I'm gonna share this quote with you guys. It's so powerful. He says, perfection of love was now the only standard of conduct. And this love was to manifest itself in obedience to Christ, expressed in devotion to those whom Jesus died to save. There was a cross in it, the willing denial of self for others. This was strong teaching and not many of them could take it. They liked to be numbered among his followers when he filled their stomachs with bread and fish. But when Jesus started talking about the true spiritual quality of the kingdom and the sacrifice necessary in achieving it, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And this was honestly convicting to hear because, you know, life can be dirty and the people in them and challenging. I mean, you could ask Lolly, I know that I'm very challenging. And every day is a struggle to be humble and to live out this radical kind of love toward other people, toward everyone. But I love Peter's response to Jesus. And I really think that this is the remedy 
for having a servant heart like Jesus had toward those who needed to be washed. And that was humility. Look at verse 9 and what it says here. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. This is so powerful. You know, the truth is, we are all like Peter, unclean from top to bottom. And our pride sometimes tends to make us think that really it's just in certain areas that we're dirty. But I've learned humility says like Peter, woe is me. Clean me everywhere, Jesus. Clean every part of me until every part of it has a part with you. And that's how I want to feel more and more each day with my own dirt. I need Jesus' washing. I need to be a part of him. And to others who we see are dirty, they need Jesus' washing. I need to wash over them because they too have a beauty and even more with their sins washed away. And isn't that an incredible thing to long after, to hope for, that in the same way, if God can change these impulsive, violent, rash, broken men, he can most certainly change them too. Think about who's that person right now for you in your mind. But do we believe it? I know it's hard because this takes incredible faith to do something so humbling and so vulnerable as to bend down and to remove one's clothes and to be like a servant in front of them and wash the filthiest parts of a person's body. And I say this metaphorically. I say this even spiritually. Um, but our Lord and our Master took off his clothes and he humbled himself to a servant and he bent down to wash their feet. And little did they know the next time that they would see Jesus again like this would be him on the cross, stripped of his clothes, washing them in his blood for their sin and for ours. You know, as I, as I close, I want to encourage us to reflect today. In seeing your beauty, are you too caught up on your failures that you've allowed them to defeat you? You've given up on your faith? You know, washing their dirt, other people's dirt, are you withholding forgiveness from someone you love? Is there a spirit of criticism that's keeping you from washing other people's feet? Or is maybe there even hurt or bitterness that's hardening your heart today? All these questions I think are, are extremely important to ask ourselves and to reflect on because this is an extremely challenging teaching that Jesus is giving us here that for all of us is very difficult, is very challenging. And shakes us to our core. I want to end with three scriptures that I want to encourage you all with. And uh, the first one is this. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. And it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even at your worst, 
Jesus found you worth dying for. John 13, verse 15 and 17 says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. In the face of a dirty situation, Jesus took the position of a servant and promises that if we do the same, he will bless us. And lastly, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, and it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. You know, in the end, love is the answer. Love is the solution and is the only thing that can cover over a multitude of sins. I love you all and uh, thank you for listening. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.